Welcome to Smart Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Smart Cleaning School podcast, helping visionaries make the impact they were meant to make. Okay, buckle in. This is going to be number six of an iconic, which it goes beyond epic, an iconic podcast series on Who Paid for Lunch Clue. This one is entitled Dwell on These Things. It's getting harder and harder to update you on my own Carfagner cleaning business. When every time I go out to lunch with Total Life Freedom Philadelphia, the lunch gets paid for with varying level of mystery. In the last installment, Audio Alibis, the benevolent benefactor of lunch number three was revealed. We already know that the pastor, a.k.a. John Stange, paid for lunch number one. And the prestigious law firm of Carfagno and Carfagno had to file the second lunch into the cold case files as unsolved mysteries. The TLF Philly Bunch met for lunch number four this week. What kind of shenanigans was going to go down? I will report exactly what I saw as I was an eyewitness to the account as it unfolded. But first, let me give a short update on my other business, Carfagno Cleaning. No, Ken, don't tell me about your dumb business. I want to hear about who paid for lunch. We will get to that. I promise. Be patient. I've shared our family dream and how our cleaning business fits into it. In the episode, two questions to grow your network. But just to refresh you, I've been solo cleaning for 17 years. I teach how to optimize your solo cleaning business. I optimized my first solo cleaning business in New York from 2005 to 2018. And this business I optimized to $55,000 profit on two cleaning days per week. Then I sold it for $80,000. I grew another solo cleaning business in the Philadelphia area from 2019 to now. This one is earning me $70,000 profit on two cleaning days per week. I have precedent and I could sell it again like I did before. I could keep doing it and be happy with the type of profit and schedule that I have. Or I could delegate and scale with employees. All three are great options. But what's the right answer? It's simple, really. Start with why. As Simon Sinek would say, our why is time, money, and location freedom. So our family can create more memories together locally and visit all 50 states for our homeschool. Our near-term dream is a month-long trip to the Gulf Coast of Florida in February when it's cold in Pennsylvania. How can I make that happen? The answer to that question is what I need to figure out, (laughs) and it tells me which path to take my solo cleaning business. And here's the answer. We need to save money to pay for the trip, and we need to delegate our cleaning business as selling it by February is probably not an option. As I think this through more, we need to increase our revenue by $5,000 per month to account 
for the cost of employees and to have enough cash for the trip. That's it. We need to increase our overall corporation by $5,000 per month. Our corporation, Carfagno Cleaning, has two businesses. One is the local Philly-based cleaning company, Carfagno Cleaning, that I've been updating you about throughout this entire podcast for a year and a half. The other is the Smart Cleaning School, which is what you're listening to right now. And I also have other free resources and paid resources all on the Smart Cleaning School website. I can add $5,000 revenue monthly through increased cleaning and or increased paid clients in Smart Cleaning School. It's that simple. I can add to either of my businesses in the corporation as the goal is to add 5000 per month to the corporation. <laughs> In 2021, I am pushing hard to increase revenue in Smart Cleaning School and Carfagno Cleaning while hiring and training to delegate the cleaning. Now that you understand our vision and goals, this will make some sense. I received five leads for cleaning this week. Three were for recurring houses, one for recurring office, and one was a one-time job. Now, where are these leads coming from? Well, I've built a pretty decent marketing machine through Google My Business, Facebook, all the local networking, and the webinars I've done. I put myself out there, and if you want to hear more about what I've done, this entire podcast shares the account of me going through this since October of 2019. So make sure to go back to the beginning of this podcast and start and push play, and you'll hear all of that stuff. But these five leads, they kind of came in quick, and I felt overwhelmed as I don't physically have the space to take anything else on right now, even though I have the goal to increase revenues. So Teresa and I went on a walk to talk about family and business. That's where we figured it out. And by the way, we figure a lot of stuff out when we go for walks. I contacted all of the leads and informed them that I cannot accept new clients at the moment as I'm building a waiting list. Three of them understood and went another direction. One house is owned by the doctor of a veterinary hospital that I currently clean, and it's a great client. I knew this would be a great house to take on. Even though I don't want more houses, this one was a good one. She was very appreciative and understanding of my waiting list. Since I had nothing to lose, I texted with her a few times to get some basics on the house. I gave her a ballpark price quote. And she was totally fine with the prices and wanted me to come to her house for a formal estimate. The estimate was just a couple days ago and it went extremely well. Here's my game plan. And I share this for the optimizers listening to this to get into my head a little bit. I will write up a formal proposal and send her price options that she already expects. They're in the ballpark prices I gave her already. They are optimizer prices, way higher than some of my current houses. This one house, in fact, would equal the annual revenue of two other houses that I really don't want. So if she says yes, I'll put her on my waiting list until the end of June, and I'll send price increase letters to three houses to raise them to $200 minimum per visit. My other three houses are already at $200, and they will also get price increase letters, but no price increase just letting them know I'm doing price increases and I'm giving them a pass this time around. I've done that before. People love it. They appreciate the gift of a pass. Out of the three that I do raise prices on that are currently 160, 160, and 175, 
I expect two of them will fire me. No, you're going to do that on purpose? Yes, I am. Here's the cool part. I'll increase my revenue with one less house and more free time to build smart cleaning school and take more walks with my wife because they tend to go pretty well. Lastly, the office that contacted me is totally in my niche and close to an existing office client. An HR manager from a CPA firm found me through the chamber and was referred to me by another CPA from another chamber that I'm not even a member of and I don't even know. This is so cool. See, as I've mentioned, I've been very active in my chamber and local networking groups to teach and educate on podcasts, newsletters, marketing, facilitating Zoom webinars, teaching about cleaning, and so on. I've been very active. And this has created a name for myself. People are starting to know who I am, which is a good thing. They know that I'm professional, a great communicator, and have a big heart to give in the community. So those are things that attract me to other companies. And this phone call from a HR manager at a large CPA firm completely affirms this. The HR manager did have a cleaner before the pandemic, she told me when we were on the phone call, but they lost them. So they filled in with a firm employee during the pandemic to help them with some extra income. And that happens a lot. I see that where an employee of a company will step in and do some cleaning part-time at night to make some extra money. I mean, I think that's a great idea. However, that didn't work out so good for the CPA firm, and so they needed to find someone to replace the cleaning service they had before, and they found me. Here's what she told me. My website was very professional, and she was very impressed with the website in general, and she said, you were the right fit once I saw the website. Another thing, too, she said, which was very interesting, Ken, it looks like you have a waiting list for new clients. So I wanted to make sure I could try and get on your calendar. Oh man, this is so good. My website is working out fantastically. By the way, I did a podcast episode called An Optimizer's Website. You may want to check that out. This was all music to my ears. I booked the estimate for next week and it would be a perfect fit as this would add about $600 on the low side to $1,000 per month on the high side. And that, my friends, covers potentially 20% of the 5,000 increase in revenue that we need for the year. Wow, this could be huge. So I was very excited about that. So out of the five leads, three I turned away from my waiting list. And I didn't have to say I can't take you on. I said I have a waiting list and they didn't want to wait. One I did an estimate for and could become a new house that would replace two others and my revenue goes up. And the office would increase our revenue and we have the space for it. So this worked out really good. Congratulations, you made it. You sat through the boring podcast presentation on Ken's Carfagno Cleaning Business and Smart Cleaning School, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about the lunch. Ken, go back to Carfagno, Carfagno Law Firm mode, would you please? Okay, people, without further delay, I know you don't care about all that cleaning stuff. Let me get to just the facts, man, just the facts. You want to know what happened at lunch and who paid At lunch number four, I'll keep this one short, but trust me, that is no indication of how epic the end of this lunch really was. Total Life Freedom Philly met for a second time at City Works in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. The usual suspects were there. 
the pastor, John Stange, the loud and bolder guy, John Shuckman, innocent Emily, Emily Bruner, the absentee, slash millennial, Brad Emming, the cleaner, myself, the newer newbie and early bloomer, Melissa Bloom, and our New Yorker guest, the throat puncher, Dennis Clark. The loud and bolder guy had been thwarted to buy lunch twice in a row, and both dramatically awkward. He arranged the venue in the time, refusing to share the location until 24 hours prior. Innocent Emily and I were the first on the scene, as the others were stalking a local author as he signed his new book at the local Barnes & Noble. That local author was none other than the pastor. His book is the double-meaning title of this episode, Dwell on These Things. We'll come back to that. Emily and I exchanged greetings and proceeded to the hostess station. I said, we're here with the John Shuckman party? She replied, "Uh, I don't have a reservation under that name. Emily and I stared at each other and were confused. It's a hard name to spell, Emily said. It's S-C-H-U-C-H. This didn't reveal a reservation. I smartened up. Can you check under Emily Bruner? How about John Stange? How about Brad Emming? Nothing. We thought that the loud and bolder guy may have tried something sneaky like using one of our names. That's silly, though. Why would he do that? Maybe he's trying to pay for lunch. Hmm. We'll come back to it. I put in a reservation under my name, and we waited for a table outside. A few minutes later, the others trickled in. Loud and Balder came out from the restaurant. Our table's ready, guys. Emily and I exchanged suspicious looks and went with it. There are only two details of lunch worth mentioning. During the ordering, the waitress asked if we wanted separate checks. In unison, TLF Philly all said, one check. Midway through lunch, and this is something of note, The pastor disappeared for a while to use the bathroom. We'd seen this played out before at lunch. When Shuckman left for the bathroom, came back and tried to pay the hostess with his credit card and was thwarted. That's right. The pastor disappeared for a while to use the bathroom. We were all deep into conversation. Didn't think much of it as he slipped off into the darkness beyond the table toward the restroom. Then Throat Puncher stood up with his camera and was snapping pics of the pastor at the bar. He appeared to be putting his wallet away. Throat Puncher declared, You're busted! But as the pastor got closer, we could see that the only thing in his hands were a stack of napkins. That's odd. Why would the pastor get napkins? At the end of lunch, tension filled the air. Loud and balder, had a look of supreme confidence. Her innocence was smiling with early bloomer. The absentee was laughing about being a millennial, even considering anything covert. I was resigned to sit this one out and see what happened. I've already revealed the benefactor of lunch number three and felt pretty good about it. And throat puncher had his fist cocked and ready to take out whoever tried anything suspicious. Let me play this scene Matrix style by slowing it down to 10 frames per second. Boom, 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 
waitress brought the check toward the table. We all stopped to look toward her. Loud and Balder's face confident and ready to accept the payment receipt. I watched his face. It was cool, pale, ready to declare victory. But then Mr. Anderson learned how to avoid the bullets and the agent's face contorted in surprise. This contorted face was Shuckman. I can still see it in slow motion. Goom, goom, goom. His face color changed from pale to light pink to light red to maroon as the waitress dropped the payment receipt in front of the pastor. John Stange grabbed the pen, signed a large tip, and paid for lunch number four. And just like that, it was over. The fourth TLF lunch was paid for twice by the pastor, once by the cleaner, once by the underground Christian Illuminati hat people, and none by Loudon Balder, John Shuckman. After the lunch payment, Loudon Balder's face slowly returned to its pale color as he threw up his arms in stunned disbelief. I had it all worked out. I made the reservations and pulled a Ken. I replied, what reservations? Emily and I tried to find your reservations. Shuckman replies, I used Mark. I pretended to be you and said that I did this before and was able to pay for lunch via the phone. They took my reservation. They took my credit card and assured me that it would be taken care of. Of everything Loud and Balder just said, Emily and I said, Wait, Mark? You used an alias for a reservation? He defended his position. It was the only way I could pay for lunch. Meanwhile, the pastor was just shaking his head and said, It wasn't supposed to happen this way. All attention moved from Loud and Balder to the pastor. They were supposed to take my payment and not bring the check to sign in front of everyone. This is where the atmosphere changed. And the once pleasant game of who paid for lunch clue turned into... Don't let Shuckman pay for lunch clue. It was at this point that the rest of the TLF Philly table got involved. Questions flew. Insinuations circled us. Mystery abounded. We all thanked the pastor for his generosity. Then we asked how he did it. Kaiser Soze walked off the scene, limp and cripple, slipping away to fast-paced walking, knowing exactly how he pulled it off, fooling everyone, yet not revealing to anyone else his methods. Thus, the law firm of Carfagno and Carfagno closes the case of lunch number four. The guilty has been convicted of first-degree generosity, which is premeditated payment of lunch with intention to thwart John Shuckman. The accomplice to the paid lunch is unknown. The witness on the stand, loud and balder, stepped down, shaking his head at another failed attempt to pay for his friend's lunch of TLF. The absentee was selected to reserve the next lunch, and the mission is clear. Do not let Shuckman pay for lunch. We shall see how that goes down in July. I hope you enjoyed the sixth installment in the Who Paid for Lunch series. 
as you can tell, I've had entirely too much fun making these. I just want to take a moment and thank each of the TLF Philly members for allowing me to use their names, their real names. And that includes you, Mark. Wink, wink. You are all great sports, and it's been a blast hanging with freedom seekers with big hearts to give. Lastly, I want to give a raving endorsement for John Stange's new book, Dwell on These Things. I am only just a few chapters in, and I love the book. It's simple, yet an effective message that is broken into 31 days to show you how much God really thinks of you and how much God really loves you. I hope you check it out. The link to the book, Dwell on These Things, is posted in the show notes below. So with that, the sixth installment of the formerly epic account and now the iconic account of Who Paid for Lunch, Clue, is at a close. Carfagno and Carfagno rests with four lunches in the books, three are closed, and one still in the cold case files. We shall see what opens in the future, if more get filed in cold case, or if Shuckman will ever get to pay. That is the question that we must all answer. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Smart Cleaning School podcast. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thank you for listening to Smart Cleaning School. Class is dismissed. <laughs>